0: and welcome back to another episode of Crimes and Demeanors, the paranormal podcast where we go beyond the Wikipedia page and delve into historic resources to find the truth behind your favorite ghostly tales. I'm your host and lovable librarian, Joshua Spellman. This week we're string from our usual ghosts and specters to look at a, quite frankly, overhyped and overutilized paranormal being in modern cinematic history, and that is vampires. Edward Cullen who? I don't know her. But we're not just looking at any old shiny vampire today. We're taking a look at the casket girls of New Orleans and the Ursuline nuns that are tasked with keeping them locked away for all eternity. The legend itself is gripping, but the facts that led to it are actually probably just as interesting. This legend goes to show how history can quickly be warped into mysterious lore. It illustrates how women who didn't act as expected or conform to societal norms can be transmogrified into bogeymen, accused as witches, or in this case, bloodthirsty vampires. So get your bug spray, get your mask on. We're headed down to New Orleans once again. We're going to be learning the myth of its vampire maidens. We're going to find out what really lurks in the nun's attic and prowls the streets of the French Quarter. debauchery, voodoo, drinking, the living dead. These are the things that New Orleans is known for. We can assume how some of this raucous behavior came to bear, for that is the nature of man, after all. But what of its vampires? How did they arrive in the new world? This is the tale we tell today, that of the Casket Girls. The French colony of New Orleans was full of ex-prisoners and pirates, and other men who were poor and came to the New World to work. However, despite all this abundance of man, there was a vast shortage of women. The debaucherous men who were described as the scum of France had a ravenous appetite for women, alcohol, and gambling. These men began to have affairs with enslaved women and the indigenous women of the area. It was believed by the king and the upper class that this would make these wild men that much more wild. So it was decided that the men needed good, virtuous, pious French women to marry, to help quell their salacious appetites. Other French colonies faced similar issues, which were remedied by sending over women from good families under the care and guidance of the Catholic Church. However, when it was New Orleans' turn, it was getting harder and harder to find, quote, good women, especially those guaranteed to be virgins. So, unlike the other colonies, the women selected to travel to New Orleans were chosen from the House of Correction. Most of them were sex workers, destitute, insane, or all of the above. These women were brought over in 1721, and needless to say, they did not help the debauchery in New Orleans. They made matters worse, and they refused to marry the men, so the problem still wasn't quite solved. After seven years, they decided to try again, and that's when they arrived. Selected from convents, schools, and orphanages, this new batch of young girls would surely be better than the last, or so they thought. When the ship carrying the young women landed in 1728, the plank was set out, and the girls began to disembark. The men were shocked at what they saw. Instead of the young, vivacious women they were promised, they were presented with young girls, surely, but their skin was pale as moonlight. They carried caskets with them. Some of their mouths were stained with blood, and their skin quickly burned and blistered in the sunlight. Needless to say, the men of the colony were not scrambling for the hands of these young maidens in marriage. Shortly after the arrival of the casket girls, named so for the coffins they brought with them, things took a turn for the worst in New Orleans. The mortality rates skyrocketed. Some of the dead found in the streets with the blood completely drained from their corpses. Who were these young women, and what had they brought over in their caskets? One night, some of the men rifled through the casket girls' belongings to find the coffins empty. It soon became clear who and what these girls were. Pale skin, faces stained with blood, and carrying caskets off a ship? Vampires. It is a known fact, after all, that vampires cannot cross water without their caskets. Now, there is some debate as to whether these women smuggled vampires over in their caskets, these young girls serving as food for these creatures, having been turned to the side of night during their journey or whether these girls brought their own caskets with them. Come to the new world to find themselves a husband to convert into a denizen of the undead and begin a vampire colony of their own. Regardless, things were getting out of control in New Orleans, and the Pope ordered the girls and their caskets to be rounded up by the order of Ursuline nuns. These nuns trapped them and kept the girls under their care at their school for young women, keeping them from the sunlight during the day and their potential victims at night. Chained in the basement of the Ursuline school, the girls were fed rats and the occasional vagrant as a treat. The casket girls remained here for a few years until the Ursuline convent was built. But then came the trouble of getting the girls from the school to the new convent unseen. It was tradition that the nuns would travel in a procession and cover carriages from the old school to their new convent but this would make it difficult to conceal the caskets of the vampire maidens. It was then cleverly decided that the nuns would break from tradition and instead walk the distance with the schoolgirls, who were dressed as angels, having the covered carriages travel behind them. The coffins would be concealed in the carriages, under the guise that the nuns wanted to walk the distance to show that they were pillars of the community. Then, under the cover of night, the casket girls in their coffins were taken up to the third-floor attic of the convent. The girls were locked away behind a heavy metal door, and the shutters of the attic were sealed shut with nails blessed by the Pope. And this is where the vampire maidens remained. The Ursuline nuns left to care for them and prevent them from wreaking havoc on the city of New Orleans. Of course, that has not always gone to plan. There are two occasions in recent history where the vampires have escaped their lonely prison. In 1978, two paranormal researchers set up camp outside of the old Ursuline convent. They came equipped with video cameras and hoped to capture some vampiric activity. They fixed their cameras in the old attic shutters and waited. Hours passed. They didn't see anything. The night was beginning to grow monotonous, and the investigators eventually fell asleep. The last thing their camera caught was one of the shutters to the attic open and close. And then, the film ran out. The next morning, the researchers' bodies were discovered outside the convent. Their throats had been slashed open and their bodies completely drained of blood. Their killers were never found. Then again in 1984, someone or something ravaged the French Quarter. Nine bodies were found, their throats shorn open, and their corpses completely drained of blood. Once again, no suspect was ever identified and as quickly as the murders began, they ceased. Had the nuns successfully roped their rogue vampire back into its attic prison? Though the vampires have been on relatively good behavior for the last couple hundred years, it's probably best to watch your back. Sometimes, when you walk past the old Ursuline convent, you'll look up and see the shutters, closed as they should be by blessed nails. But when you look back up again, you'll notice that perhaps one of them has opened. And if you're lucky, or unlucky, you may even see the pale face of a young woman staring back at you. But by then, it's too late. intriguing tale which seeks to explain the existence of vampires in New Orleans. But what exactly is true? We can start with the girls. For the most part, yes, they were real. Young girls arriving in New Orleans at the behest of the king, ungodly pal, pallid women, whose skin blistered in the sun, their mouths covered in blood, carrying caskets ashore. But believe it or not, there's actually a perfectly rational explanation for all of this. The original journey the casket girls were to take from France was supposed to only take three months, but it ended up taking five. The girls were malnourished, they were starved, and disease began to ran rampant on the boat. Most notably, tuberculosis, also known as consumption, can cause patients to cough up their own blood. So while their mouths were smeared with blood, it was because they were hacking it up and not because they were sucking it from the corpses of men. Also, these girls were pale because they would have spent much of the time below deck. And to the colonists of New Orleans who had been pirates and working out in the outdoors, they would have been very tan and would have been shocked to see the paleness of these girls. And to add to it, these girls would have brought clothes with them that would have been suitable for the weather of France and not the heat and humidity of Louisiana. Which brings us to what they packed their clothes in, caskets. Now, The explanation for caskets is actually an etymological error that has been passed down. These girls who arrived were known as la fille à la cassette, for the cassettes they carried, small trunks like overnight bags, not coffins. Cassettes, or casquettes, eventually became caskets, and thus the myth was born. When in reality, these caskets carried nothing more than their petticoats. The Ursuline nuns were alleged to have chaperoned these girls until they were married, and many sources claim this. However, many others, including the Ursuline Order of Nuns themselves, deny it. In fact, they deny any involvement with the girls whatsoever. In fact, there is some doubt that the casket girls, as at least the way they are known now, never truly existed in New Orleans. I mentioned before that there were a number of batches, I guess you could say, of women brought over from France to numerous colonies, including Canada and the West Indies. The first were called the Filles de Roy. I don't speak French, but it's the king's daughters, and these came in the 17th century, and they were sent to Canada, Louisiana, and the West Indies. This first group of women, I guess you could say, were good. They were from better families, and they were more well-behaved, and then you had... The next batch were the Pelican Girls, named so for the ship, the Pelican, that they were sent on in 1704. The Pelican Girls were first taken to Mobile, Alabama, though some did later move to New Orleans over time. Then you have the others. The girls known as the Correction Girls, named so from where they were sourced. I hate saying that, but they were treated as property or livestock. They were sourced from correctional facilities, and they were brought over in 1721. I looked, and there's really no solid evidence that any girls were actually sent to New Orleans specifically in 1728, and it's more than likely that the casquette girls or the casket girls and the correction girls are one and the same. Of the girls who arrived between 1719 and 1721, 29 were from orphanages, 35 were from poor houses, and 194 were convicted criminals from the prison La Force. Now, the men of New Orleans, despite their own debaucherous behavior, were appalled at the women's behavior in history and refused to marry them. I'm sure that this, combined with the strange caskets they carried and their pallid appearance, would have been enough to transform them into the monstrous casket girls that we know today. Record-keeping at the time was murky, and historians that were contemporary to the time period would embellish and get details wrong all the time. And this is actually where the idea that the Ursuline nuns were involved came from, because, like I said, they had no involvement whatsoever. The Ursuline nuns are verifiably real, but they didn't arrive in New Orleans until 1727, long after the last casket girls had landed ashore. It was the sisters' mission to come to New Orleans to provide shelter and education for young women in the colony, and they immediately started a school in an existing building. A proper convent was constructed in 1734— but was eventually torn down and rebuilt on the same exact plot in 1751 due to errors in the original plan. So this building built in 1751 is now known as the Old Ursuline Convent, and it's where the casket girls allegedly have lived for hundreds of years in their attic. But it wasn't even constructed until 23 to 30 years after the casket girls arrived, depending on which version of the story that you go with. By this time, these girls would have been middle-aged women, I guess if they were vampires, they'd still be girls, but they would have been ravaging the city for nearly three decades at this point. The new convent building, now the old convent building, was thought to be blessed or cursed because it was one of the only buildings to survive the Great Fire of 1788, which destroyed about 75% of the buildings in the French Quarter. The fire was said to have reached the walls of the convent, but the flames couldn't pass. Some say that the prayers of the nuns had the power to keep the flames at bay, while others say it was the vampires that prevented the convent from burning to the ground. Regardless, because of the fire and the war, the Old Ursuline Convent is actually the oldest building still standing in the Mississippi Valley, though I guess technically not the oldest. So what about the third floor? What's the deal there? There are shutters, obviously, since there's pictures and that's what the story's based off. But they're hurricane shutters. That's what they're there for. And are they nailed shut by nails blessed by the Pope? It's unlikely, since no Pope visited New Orleans until 1987. Though I suppose you could argue that the nails were blessed and sent over from Rome and shipped to the sisters in New Orleans. Very, That's very possible. But... seeing as there's no vampires, I don't know why they'd have to ship over some blessed nails. But the shutters do open. They do open them time to time. You can see them sometimes being open, and that's why you might see them open when you walk by. Though I do find it strange that that would happen in the dead of night, but I digress. But also, the Ursula nuns haven't used the building for quite some time. It now serves as a museum, and The archdiocese does use the third-floor attic still, and they use it as storage for their archives. And unless their archives consist of vampire corpses, I don't know. I'm sure I could pull some connections and talk to some archivist friends to see if they know the archivist that works there, but that seems like a lot of effort for this silly little podcast. If I was getting paid, it's another story. And finally, the murders. What what about these murders? I thought for sure that the blood-draining killings might have had some basis in fact simply due to the fact that they were so recent and they had these years attached to them. It'd be a lot harder to shroud that in myth, but I actually wasn't able to find any specific murders that fit the description of either of these. So how that started is also a mystery. So this story seems like a whole lot of mess, honestly. Someone get Marie Kondo to clean it up. In my view, this is a game of historic telephone that has warped into a very interesting legend. Women who didn't conform to the standards of society, as usual, have been transformed into grotesque creatures of the night. Well, I'm sure these ladies did some sucking, it surely wasn't the sucking of blood. Now, I am out of breath, because I am recording this in my closet, and my neighbors, who are generally very quiet, have all decided to start vacuuming, putting their dishes away, and arguing. Oh my god, they're literally using a power drill right now. What is going on? So, I'm gonna have to cut this podcast short. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy it, please leave us a nice rating on iTunes if that's where you'd like to listen. Oh my God, it's hot in this closet. And if you listen on Overcast, hit that little star to show that I'm a star. Don't really know what it does, but I hear it does good things. So as usual, if you're going to smuggle vampires into the new world, maybe don't be so conspicuous. If you're going to be a lady of the night, it's fine. Just be safe. But as always stay spooky. Bye.